Last Sunday, when we were at, um, what we went to the mall for lunch with um, Tice's, um, you know, it, it, we were we were visiting and stuff, and then um, Josiah went and got a um, Lego set, and and uh, he showed it to me. I, I said, "They'll send me a picture when you're done." So he sent me a picture, and uh, this is the picture of it. Now, if you you know, if you weren't so afraid and sat all the way back there, you'd be able to see it because it's right here. He let me borrow it, so we could bring it in and show you. Uh, what he made, uh, you know, on there, and it's a it's a Star Wars thing, and I don't know what you call a big spidery looking thing. Uh, there's probably a name for it. Well, good. I'm not glad. I, I'm not the only one that doesn't know. Um, it's quite impressive when you look at these. I don't know if you've ever done any of these with your kids or grandkids. Um, I have, I have uh, done some with my grandchildren, and uh, some of them they they give you. Well, it, it could be a little frustrating. When I was a kid, I had Lincoln Logs, and uh, if I built a little square cabin, I thought I was really accomplishing something there, you know. And uh, it was, you know, the um, uh, this is not my original set, but anyway, um, Legos can get somewhat complicated and expensive. I, I don't know if you realize that. We've seen some in stores for a couple hundred dollars, and you know, we assured the grand the, our grandchildren that you will not be getting that from us. Um, I was kind of curious what the largest Lego set cost. Now, Josiah, here's a good one for you. In line with what you've already made, there is the Millennium Falcon, which you can buy. Um, you're going to have to save up a little bit, though. This is 5,525 pieces. And you can have that for the deal of um, $850. But a price, apparently, price is not tied to the number of blocks at all because um, you could build a Titanic. The Titanic is 53 inches long. We saw one of these when we went down to, oddly enough, the Titanic Museum in Pigeon Forge or Sevierville or somewhere in Tennessee, but there are other places too. It was very interesting. At any rate, you know, they have that there. It's 53 inches long, 9,090 pieces, but you can get that for $680. Um, you know, almost almost $200 less than the Millennium Falcon. Now, if you stood the Titanic on end, it would be shorter than the Eiffel Tower, which is the tallest Lego thing you can get, 58 and a half inches tall. And I was thinking, you only got that beat by a, a couple inches, dear. Uh, but, you know, the... Um, <laughs> It's somebody's job to count these things because there are 10,001 pieces, 10,001 pieces uh, to this thing. And you can get that for $630. So you see, the, the, it go, it's taller, but it, it costs less. And while the Eiffel Tower is the tallest one, it's not the one with the most pieces. I was wondering which one has had the most pieces. That is the Lego world map. Now, they, the, the nice thing, I guess they say, about this is you can set it up so whatever country you want is in the center. You know, and uh, we are very ethnocentric here, and you look at a world map and the United States is in the center. Uh, but that doesn't happen around the world, I know, break your heart. Uh, but anyway, um, th th this, this has 11,695 pieces. It's currently out of production, but you can get it on eBay for about 400 bucks, even an unopened package. 
Um, you know, but again, you're saving all your money. Now, if you move to the knockoff block, I like that knockoff block. Get it? Yeah, anyway, if you move to the knockoff block market uh, from uh, Walmart, Walmart sells the Stone City. What happened? Seven Rings Tower. That's a picture of it, apparently. <laughs> Let me push the button in. I got nothing here. You got nothing there. I got nothing. Where's the Seven Rings Tower? All right. The IT guy's on his way. Well, when you see it, I believe it's from Lord of the Rings, I think is what we, what we uh, determined this thing was from. Um, and it is 99,538 blocks. 99,538 blocks, and they tell you in there that it is that there are uh, no printed parts, no minifigures, and no stickers. You see, because when you when you get the Lego sets, they count all of those all of those things. But there's 99,538 parts. You can get that for the low price of five thousand one hundred seven dollars. Because it's not Lego, it's an off-brand, you get it cheaper, you see. Uh, it comes in seven boxes, and it will take a minimum of 15 days to get it to you. Uh, they tell you that right up front. Now, all of these sets come with very detailed uh, instructions that tell you right where each piece goes. You know, they tell you right, right where they go, <clears throat> and each one of these pieces is simply more than another brick in the wall. They have a purpose. As you're going through it, sometimes you put something in place, even with ones like this, and you'll put something in place, and you'll think, well, why is that going here now? Uh, but you come to find out later, you know, you come to find out a, a little bit more wh why it goes. You know, each one has a purpose. You know, each one of the parts has a purpose, and you want to follow the instructions. I found that out the hard way. You want to follow the instructions when you're putting them together because, you know, it may not make sense to you right at, at the point at that time, but they, they do fit together. Now, uh, when we put these together, when we put these sets together, we're the ones with the plans. We have the plans right in front of us. You know, we have that plan there and we follow the plan and, and we put it in place. But in real life, you know, in real life, God is the one who has the plan for how things fit together. He is the one that has that plan for how the pieces fit. And he is the one who has the plan for the order in which they need to come. That's one of the things we really need to grasp a hold of. He, you know, it's his plan for the order in which they need to come. Now, the Bible gives us enough direction. The Bible gives us enough direction you know, so that we can be involved in the process. But here's the thing you want to remember. God has the plan. He is the one with the master plan. He is the one that knows how all of this stuff comes together. Some things might come along that seem really out of place to us and we wonder, you know, why is this happening now? Why is this happening at all? But no, God knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. And it will all come together as it should someday. Now, today's section in Ecclesiastes, as we go through this, you know, it's going to show us all the events in life, you know, even the ones that seem to be a little bit out of place to us anyway, you know, even those ones we don't understand. 
uh, each one of these things we're going to look at and go through you know, very briefly, really. But they all have a place in the wall. You know, we forget about that sometimes. God has a plan. Just know He has a plan. And He is working it out in our lives. Let's pray together and we'll get into this passage. Father, thank You for Your knowledge and Your wisdom. We very readily have to admit sometimes we don't get it. We don't understand, but this I do understand. You do get it. You do know how, and you do know the whys. You know how all of this fits, Father. Teach us from your word this morning that we might come to realize a little bit more what a great and awesome God you are, and what a loving and gracious God you are. That we, we still will leave here and have some questions and won't understand things, but I hope we understand that not only are you God, but you are a loving God, a caring God, a powerful God, and an intentional God. So teach us. Teach us more about you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you need the Pew Bible, it's page 608 in the Pew Bible. Uh, we saw in chapter 1, I think this is the third week we're in this, isn't it? Yeah, see us. Yeah, third week we're in. Uh, yeah, see, the third week we're, we're in Ecclesiastes. We looked at the at the first part. We saw the first um, few verses there in chapter one. That life is a breath. It's a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. You know, we try to grasp it and it slips right through our fingers. We try to get a hold of it. We know we try to control things and we realize it's out of our control. We can't. Last week, when we were finishing chapter one and all the way through chapter two, we learned that life is a gift from God. And we need to enjoy His gifts, not try to master them. Realize that we are not the master of them. You know, they are a, a gift from God. And again, we try to control what we can't you know, through our lives. And you know, we just can't. We can't control everything that comes through our lives. You know, we need to know that, grasp a hold of that and the reality of that. But we need to realize that you know, we shouldn't let the gifts from God replace our living for God. All of the stuff we strive for, those gifts from God, don't let them replace God. Don't let them be what you're working for. You know, have that relationship with God. Today we're going to see a little bit, I hope, you know, how our lack of control, that's the very thing that can give us hope, that can bring joy, that can bring peace uh, there. Let's start. First eight verses, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every action under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. <clears throat> a time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. We don't like throwing things away, do we? I don't know how much junk you have in your garage. You know, I threw out some wood scraps and I thought, I might need these someday. Anyway, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. 
Now, these verses pull us back a little bit into what we saw in chapter 1, where chapter 1 was talking about the cyclical nature, you know, that what, what was, you know, what is, has been before, and there's nothing new under the sun. It was talking about, you know, the whole cyclical nature. John, John Lehmeyer and I were talking about, you know, this morning, we really like March, you know, we're getting into March, and, you know, things really start to, to spring, and we really like that, and we think new, the newness of spring but it's the newness of spring again. You know, that cyclical nature. And it talks about that in, in chapter 1. Here in this chapter, it kind of drills down to the many events of life that fill our time. In fact, the word time is mentioned 29 times in these eight verses. And they capture, you know, they, they capture more of that rhythmic pattern, that cyclical living that we all experience through our lives. The statement there in verse 1, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every action under heaven. You know, that's the statement made. And then verses 2 through 8, put those, those bricks of living into the wall. You know, put those bricks into that statement there. It starts unfolding these experiences of our life. It's done in 14 pairings. There's 14 pairings there, you know, of, of broad areas. And what they do, notice, it cites the extremes in those areas because that's the way of saying everything. You know, that everything, it's the extremes and everything in between. It says, that, you know, that time to give birth and that time to die. It encompasses all of life, the beginning of life, the end of life. And what it's saying by the beginning and the end, it's the beginning and the end and everything in between. You know, it's pointing out those extremes, the planting and the uprooting, that full cycle of planting and then the plant, and then at the end and the uprooting, that full cycle and everything in between, killing, healing, tearing down, building, weeping, laughing, it goes on. You know, and it says there's a time for everything that happens between these two extremes. Whatever part of life you choose, whatever you pick in life, and there's these two extremes and everything in between. And he's saying there's a time for everything that happens between these extremes. Now, just to be very clear with you, because I've heard some people misuse this verse and some of the other verses coming up, you know, but what he is not saying, he is not saying that there is a time for sin. You understand that? You will never find sin supported in Scripture. The Bible is always very clearly against sin. So when he's talking about a time for every... Now we see sin in Scripture. There is sin in Scripture. You, know, you, you will see that over and over. It starts all the way right, right in the beginning. You know, you have Adam and Eve, and oh, yeah, we're doing okay, only for a little bit. And for pity's sakes, there's only two people, and already they jazz things up. You know, I mean, it's already God tells them not to do something. What do they do? Uh, it won't be so bad. You know, here's the deal. You know, we begin to put our standards in there. I didn't really think it was that big a deal. You know, it was just one. Some people say apples. I like apples. It was probably something odd, like you know, I don't know, a cauliflower or something. But anyway, uh, you know, right away. And so you do see sin in Scripture. Scripture faithfully records the sin of God's people. It doesn't mean that it's there for you to follow and for you to do. Scripture never endorses sin. You know, it is never applauded in Scripture. Sin is never presented as preferred. It is never presented as an acceptable way to live. It is never put there like this is the pattern to follow. 
It, it, is, it is there, you know, it, it, what we see here in, in all that's listed, you know, you have those good times and you have bad times, challenging times, smooth times, choices, decisions, you know, that often come where we need wisdom beyond our own. We need that wisdom from God. Now, most of the elements of life listed here in these verses, they, they, deal with, you know, they deal with what we have to interact with and how we interact even with, with others, how we travel, how we travel through them. You know, all those bricks in the wall. We have those joyous moments there, birth, planting, healing, building, laughing, dancing. And we have those tough moments. Death, uprooting, mourning, avoiding embracing throwing away and we have those flaws killing throwing stones tearing hate war those are the items that remind us that we live in a world under the curse those things and those flaws that we see there is that we are we live in a world under the curse for now for now, that's where we are. He says there's a time for everything, you know, but we're not the ones arranging them in our schedule. <coughs> Did you hear that? Because some of us will have a hard time with that. There's a time for everything, but we are not the ones arranging them in our schedule. As much as we'd like to, as much as we love to, you know, and I, 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 you know, I, I got the calendar there, and, you know, and, and oh, that's not it, you know, and, and you know, we, we all have it somewhere, you know, and all, all those blue things are things I'm doing this month that are on the calendar anyway, that I think I have scheduled. Well, let's see, if I, if I just look back, I can already tell you some of the things that I thought I was doing that didn't happen that way. You see, all of these things he lists here, all of these things he's talking about, we want to have control over. You know, it, it, you know we make, and, 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 and we have to really, you know, we, we make some real and we hope reasonable decisions. Um, but we have to admit, a lot of these things are beyond our control, and we love control. You know, we love, we, we love, we, we just do, you know. But he says, you know, that there is a time for everything. Then comes verse 9. But what does the worker gain from his struggles? Now, you already know the answer to that. You know the implied answer to that is nothing. We gain nothing. This is what he talked about from the very beginning. Again, you know, now, there's that word gain again. Each week, all, you know, every week, that word gain appeared. Now remember what that word means here you know, in Ecclesiastes as he's talking about. It. He's talking about that there's something left at the end. It's the, it's the word they use for profit. You know, for a profit. That there's something added. That there is an increase. And he says, you know, what does, what does he gain? What increase is there? What does this add to you as a person? He says, you know, all of this stuff that happens, what does this add to you as a person? And when you stand there, you know, at the end and you stand before the Lord, which he's going to get into in just a minute here, we're going to get into that. And we stand before the Lord. And what does all this stuff add to us? Nothing. There is no gain. And again, I don't want to break your heart, but I do want to wake you up. There is no gain to all of this stuff we strive for. 
no gain in the sense of adding to what we are, adding to us as a person. You know, and not there's anything wrong with having them. Follow along, verse nine. Let's 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 read the rest of this chapter here. What does the worker gain from his struggles? I have seen the tasks that God has given to the children of Adam Adam to keep them occupied. There's a thought for you to keep you occupied. Verse 11, he has made everything appropriate in its time, but again, never sin. Uh, He has also put eternity in their hearts. But no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats and drinks and enjoys all his efforts. Now, don't forget those parts. 14, I know that everything God does will last forever. There is no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. Whatever is has already been and whatever will be already is. However, God seeks justice for the persecuted. That's an odd way to say that word. For the persecuted. I also observed under the sun, there is wickedness at the place of judgment and there is wickedness at the place of righteousness. I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. Since there is a time for every activity and and work and every work. I said to myself, this happens so that God may test the children of Adam, that they may see for themselves that they are like animals. For the fate of the children of of Adam and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so the other so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals since everything is futile. He's talking here about the fact that you know that we're all going to die again. He's brought that up. Um, verse twenty: All are going to the same place. All come from dust, and all return to dust. Who knows if the spirit of the children of Adam go upward and the spirits of animals go down to the earth? I've seen that there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities. Because that is his reward. For who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies? So he goes through the rumblings of life there in his first eight verses. And, you know, and it, it, they come along you know, without warning, without any choice on our part. It's simply the unfolding of life that he's going through. And as he, he lays out these extremes. It's that unfolding of life that we all go through. We are not the architect. You know, the, the, we are not the one who knows when it is the best time to place each brick in the wall. We are not the one who knows you know, how all of these parts... We are not the one who gets to call for this next peace to go in. God is the one who unfolds all of this. Well, now a, a new perspective comes to bear. Notice what he's saying. You know, the, these times he's been talking about, these times between life and death, this is not all there is. This is what he's telling us here. That the, the time between life and death, that is not all there is, he's saying. These are the extremes and these are the things as we see them here now. And as we see them here now, you know, and, and we think that this is all, and he's saying this is not all there is. Notice what he says. There's a time to be born and a time to die and a time for judgment, he says. Now, knowing there's judgment is a good thing because one of the ways we live by preparing to die is knowing that judgment is coming. Now, what that does is that gives my present choices consequence. It gives my present choices weight. That while they don't add anything to me, 
it doesn't mean that they are inconsequential. What he's talking about through all this is that those are not our goal. That these choices of all of these things that we're striving for, that that is not our goal. That our goal, come, our goal is to glorify God. And you know that as we're making as we're making these choices, and we realize this life is not all there is. Our choices still have weight. We realize that there is a judgment. There is a time where we're going to have to stand and answer. But it also means that my experience of loss and injustice will be addressed in God's presence. All of these things that we... It's not just think are wrong. Some of these things that we know are wrong. And the wrongs that are done to us. An important reality in verse 14. I know that everything God does will last forever. There's no adding to it or taking from it. We are subject to the boundaries of time. God is not subject to those boundaries of time. See, He is beyond, He is outside of time. What we do comes and goes. Everything God does will last forever. No adding to it or taking from it. You see, because God is in charge and lives forever, one day He will make everything well. Do you realize what a difference that makes? Do you realize what a difference it makes to know that all of this stuff that we see unfolding, all of this stuff that we see going on, you know, that, that God not only sees it also, He understands. And one day, and we think sometimes He's not paying attention. We think, so. I can remember praying, you know, I, I told you about this before. Um, I remember praying one time very clearly, very specifically. Marcy was four months old. And the geniuses, you know, well, the genius that I am, I thought it was a great idea to go on vacation with a four-month-old in October in a Datsun pickup truck. You say, I don't know what a Datsun is, a Nissan. A little pickup truck with a cap on the back that I threw, well, it was just a single mattress in the back because that's all that would fit. And, uh, you know, then all our stuff. And so then at night we would, I would, you know, we'd pull in a camping place and I would open the hatch. Ginny would hold Marcy and I'd open it up and I'd take all the stuff out of the back except the mattress and shove it in the, in the front passenger compartment. And we camped in October in the Rocky Mountains. Marcy wasn't happy. You know how four months old express themselves? It wasn't the happy noises we've been hearing. <laughs> Marcy was unhappy and she cried. We spent the, it was a campsite in Utah. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, after we, after we, got everything ready and we got everything done and cleaned up and uh, Jenny went to you know get ready for bed and um, 
and I had Marcy, and she's sitting on that mattress in the back seat. And she looks at me, and she just was unhappy. And there was no comforting her. And it was like she knew I was the one that took him there, you know. And and and, and, and so then, you know, not wanting to disturb people, we get inside the back of the little pickup truck with the cap on it and a screaming baby and close the doors, trying not to disturb the neighbors. So now we are inside this little box with the screaming baby and stuff. And I remember praying, God, can't you hear her? Can't you see this? What we need to remember is God does know and he does see in all this stuff that we think you know that we we think is I know that everything God does will last forever there's no adding to it there's no taking from it and because God is in charge all of these things that we think are out of control he will be taken care of all we do one day will pass away. Everything God does will last forever. Now part of living wisely in this world is learning to accept that we only have a limited time. There's only a certain amount of... You know, using our time in, in the knowledge that all this stuff we have will pass away, that all this stuff we're working and fighting for will pass away, knowing that, in it, that God will one day set these things straight, that's part of the big picture where he says he has made everything appropriate in its time. He's the designer. He's the architect. He knows how and when all the bricks need to be put in place. You know, and, and we want to know the big picture. That's what we want. We want to know the big picture. We want to know how all of this comes together, how everything fits. We want to know why this particular thing is happening or isn't happening now. We want to know why isn't that, why isn't this or why is this now? And we want to know all of those things, but we are not built to understand the big picture. We are not built to you know to understand. We are limited by time and space. God is not limited by that. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work that God has done from beginning to end. This is what He says: God is eternal, and that makes all the difference. David Gibson said it this way. He said, if we could see the end from the beginning and understand how a billion lives and a thousand generations and unspeakable sorrows and untold joys are all woven into the tapestry of perfect beauty, then we would be God. But we're not. We are not God. And we don't see how all of this fits together. But we sometimes act as if we are God. And we sometimes, you know, when we try to take control of what we cannot, of what we should not control, we are trying to step into God's place. He says in verse 12, I know there's nothing better for men than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his effort. 
You know, all, all this is here on, uh, on earth. It's a breath. It's a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. But it is also the gift of God. Realize that all you have around you and all that is the gift of God. It is there to enjoy, not to control us and not for us to control, as if we are God. He has given it to us to enjoy. We have every, we have every reason to be able to trust a timeless God with all the days of our life. Because he is perfectly just and he will set all things right. That's what he says here. He says, whatever is has already been. Whatever will be already is. However, God seeks justice for the persecuted. God seeks justice for the persecuted. You know, those things that seem out of place to us sometimes even. You know, that death you thought happened too soon. That's only from our very limited perspective. You know, that job or that promotion that you didn't get. That hateful wrong that was done to you. You know, or that disease. That disease that you battle and fills your life with pain. One day... One day these will all fall under the judgment of God. He says, I also observed under the sun, there is wickedness at a place of judgment. There is wickedness at a place of righteousness. I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked since there is a time for every activity and every work. You know, knowing judgment is, is coming and God will seek justice for the persecuted, you know, that may tend to narrow my vision at times. And we begin to think of the wrong that is done to us, you know, and we begin to see it only, only from our perspective. But it should remind me, this should remind me that my story is only part of his story. My life is only part of his plan. That sometimes the, the, the grief that comes to you helps someone else know how to deal with grief. Uh, one, of, one of Marcy's friends died this week. Um, it was Marcy and Mandy's friend. It's a girl that she, I remember her being at our house. 45 years old. And she passed away from uh, lung cancer. It wasn't a pretty four and a half years. I can't tell you, the only way I can tell you why this happens is because we still live in a world under the curse. But I can't tell you what we, what I can't tell you what Jenny uh, and I have been praying is that whoever conducts this funeral and however it's conducted, that somehow they will they will lay out the reality of Christ crucified and new life in Christ. And that this life is not 
all there is. We don't know those things that come through our life. We don't know how God is going to use them in the lives of other people. You know, my story is only part of His story. It's His plan. He knows where all the bricks in my wall need to go. He knows how that all has to, uh, I, I, has to unfold. I don't need to be in control of everything that happens to me. And trust me, for me, that's not an easy task. You know, I, I, I like control, but I, I have to know and realize I do not have to be. I can trust that He has everything under control. Even though it may seem chaotic to me, from my very limited perspective, it may seem way out of control, but to know that He has it under control. The message here, you know, is that life is full of good times and bad times. You know, that, that, that they will come and we cannot and should not control them. That is all part of God's bigger plan. And I can accept not having the answer to all my questions to not having all the answers of why some things are happening the way they're happening now. Because that is not where I will always be. Now is not where I will always be. This is what he's telling us here. We pretty much routinely live for and in each moment. Now what would... what, What difference would it make what difference would it make to my living now if I did it remembering that there is a then now is not the end now is just one of those steps where he's taking me to then it's unfolding and we get caught up, you know, we get caught up in, in the moment. Now, it doesn't mean that things will get easier. You know, I've mentioned this to you each week. It doesn't mean things are going to get easier. What it means is we know we are simply in the midst of just another brick in the wall. We are simply in the midst of it. I may not know how, I may not, you know, I may not know why, I may not see how it all fits together, but I know that I can trust the builder. I know that I can trust Him and I know the Builder will make everything right. Even the things that I think have gone wrong and even the things that have gone wrong, I know that He will make them right. You know, we are not God of all that is around us. This is His creation, you know, not ours. Even we ourselves are His creation. When we had our house built, we hired someone to do it. But I stopped by every day. And looked, you know, and and uh, I enjoyed the process. It was fun. I, you know, I really did. I, I, you know, we'd do it again, except we don't have the money. You know, but uh, you know, it, it was exciting to see it come together. It really was. You know, it was really nice. And I, I miss that. We miss that. But I don't miss the mud. I don't miss the mud. There was mud everywhere. You know, and they, they're building and, and we're walking through the mud. And, and, and even after we got in the house, even after we got in the house, there's still mud. The house is surrounded by mud. You know, and try as hard as we wanted to, as hard as we want to. You know, and you don't want that mud to come in. But, you know, no matter what, and you're going through life and the mud gets into this house that we really like. To build the house, 
there had to be mud. Without the mud, no house. You know, you might feel overrun by mud right now. You know, you, you, might, you, you might think that, you know, that there's just way too much. But um, know that it's part of the building process. Know that it is simply part of another brick in the wall. Trust God. Trust Him. Know that He knows what is needed, where it is needed, and when it is needed. You know, it was interesting for me to watch them, you know, as they're, as they're building a house and putting things in, and, you know, and, and they knew when it all had to come together, and they had the plans. I didn't have the plans. God's got the plans. He knows. Trust Him. He knows what is needed, where it is needed, and when it is needed. Trust God. Follow God. You know, follow Him. Even when you think things should be done differently. Even when you think things should be done differently. Follow God. He's given us His Word. You know, and, and we, can, we can look, we can see, we can follow, we can, we can know much of how He's called us to live and live for God. Live for Him. Even in the midst of hard times, even in the midst of mud, live for God. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats and drinks and enjoys all his efforts. You see, enjoying life is part of what he wants us to be able to do, but as his gift. I know that everything God does will last forever. I have seen that there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities because that is his reward. Today is just another brick in the wall. It's not the final place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom, knowledge, the gifts you have given us and the ones you still want to give us. Don't let us be foolish and trapped into thinking that this is it and this is the end. And, uh, you know, don't let us fall prey to the discouragement of the enemy who wants us to take our eyes off of you and put them on ourselves, who wants us to fight for control instead of relinquish control. Lord, help us to make wise decisions that honor You. Not foolish ones as if some of these things that we're looking at and striving for and working for define us because they don't. You do. We do want to take time to thank You for all the gifts You have given. You've been a very gracious God. Continue to guide us uh, toward You, knowing You will indeed set all things right. And we pray with thanks in Christ's name. Amen.